G'day friends, it's Stacey Morgan here. If you're a busy businesswoman juggling your own journey of entrepreneurship, and if you're a fan of Regold's Dance Life podcast, then I know you'll love my podcast, How to Run a Successful Business and Still Have a Life. We release episodes every week on a Wednesday morning. Listen and subscribe now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast for dance teachers and dance studio owners who have a passion for the art of dance. Hello, welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast. My name is Stacey Morgan, and today I'm joined by Regold. Hi, Re. Stacey, how are you? I'm good. I dressed up for you today. I'm in a brand new bright yellow shirt, so I figure that today's going to be a good day because how can you not be in a good mood in a yellow shirt? That is the truth. And I'm going to vouch for those who can't see her yellow shirt, which is everybody listening. It is yellow. <laughs> it is yellow. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Soul. Soul is an incredible opportunity for your students, for your dance parents, for your uh, teachers, for yourself, for growth, not just in, inside yourself, but for your studio and for the growth of your students as well. Why is Soul so special to you, Ree? Uh, non-competitive, uh, kids focusing on themselves, free to be who they are and what they want to be, no judgment, some cool sessions for parents, teachers, different from what you'd see at a convention, some wellness and mental health is a part of it. I'm, I'm... I'm so proud of this event. What I see on the gorgeous photos that you've been sharing as part of the marketing collateral from last year's event is these kids with this, these like their faces just lit up. And, you know, I follow a lot of dance events on Instagram and often you see videos and kids are smiling, but they've kind of got that competitive, like looking side to side, like, can I be the best in the room, can I get the teacher's attention, that kind of vibe. Whereas the photos that I've seen from last year's Soul event, and I wasn't lucky enough to be there, but what I the vibe I get from it is just joy and passion and these kids just lit up well, from the inside out. Think about this, and then we'll go on to the topic here. When you're wearing a number and the teacher has to jump off of the stage and find 10 outstanding dancers, great to recognize those dancers, but that puts pressure on a class. So I look at it as between competition on stage and now going and taking class and being compared to each other it's time to put the no pressure on these kids. When I was a kid, it was joy and sweat and a, a simple classroom of energy. Mm. Not all that we need now in 2023 for kids to be happy at picking winners and lights and I don't know. I just like good old, let's take a class nobody's judging you. You love dance. We love you. Oh, that should be the oh, catchphrase. Okay. We love dance. You love dance. We love you. That's it. Love. I'm going to, when we get done today, I'm going to go write that down. <laughs> you 
can find out more at regold.com. Today, Re, I wanted to talk about uniqueness because, as you know, I, I coach a lot of dance studio owners, um, both as part of the Gold Alliance program and as part of my Simply Stacey Morgan brand. And often they talk to me about what everybody else is doing. You know, we need to do this new program because, uh, you know, somebody else in my area is doing this new program. We need to mm. sign up for this event because, you know, the people down the road are signing up for this event. And lately I've been having a lot of conversations about studio owners finding their uniqueness. And so I thought it'd be good to talk about on the podcast today because if it's resonating with so many of my coaching clients, then obviously it's something that's kind of uh, resonate, like it will resonate with our listeners as well. What was special about your dance studio when you were growing up? What What was special about your what your mum created? Mm. Good question. Um, my mother was unique in coming at it from a professional career, a theatrical background. So what did that mean? It was uh, about entertaining, not to say there wasn't strong technique behind it, but her background was, first of all, it was diverse in many styles, but you came there if you wanted to learn how to perform, how to get out on stage confidently. It was also what what made my mother stand out when I was a kid. I smile when I say this, is she would put on these elaborate recitals. I mean, it was the theme. Every costume went with the theme. I remember once, this was the first time The Little Mermaid came out. So we're in the 70s. Uh, my mother, like everything was blacklight and she put these circles up on motors like you'd put a mirrored ball on. Mm -hmm. And these fish were hanging from these circles motors. And there was <clears throat> this water in the background that gl glowed in the dark with the black lights and my mother opened the curtain and the audience applauded and I knew I was a little kid <clears throat> but I saw that stuff in my living room I saw how hard my mother worked on it in that moment I was so happy for her yeah because she had that she had made that effect and that was at a time when a lot of people did four-hour recitals people were complaining about it and then my mother put on this cool show and I think it made her stand out mm. she as well as brilliant choreography and I think that's what the, your experience was as a student but then in your community she would have been known for that right there would have been people that came to recital year after year to see what Sherry Gold was going to how she was going to top the last one, what she was going to do that was going to be bigger and brighter and, and better, that I'm sure that reputation kind of came along with the studio, yeah? Yes, absolutely. And it was the reason that many kids came to us in the beginning of uh, the studio being open when it was in the basement of our house. I remember we're off topic, get me back on, but I remember us spray painting 
all of the shoes, like you'd collect the ballet shoes from the Tuesday four o'clock ballet class, and they'd all get painted purple to match the costume, and they'd be in our backyard on cardboard. <laughs> And we'd spray them all and then put them back in the bag and the people would pick them up. I mean, yes, it was it was quite elaborate. Above and beyond. That sounds like my worst nightmare, taking kids' yes. ballet shoes and spray painting them in my backyard. But she made it work and that was her thing. She would have loved that, right? That would have that would have having oh, no, yeah. knowing that they were all going to have the same color and that it was going to be something different and exciting and the kids would have loved it too purple ballet shoes like woohoo yes and they they'd come back to the studio for the next 2 years and whatever color those ballet shoes had been spray painted yeah <laughs> until they grew out of them i love it i, I want to go back and say when it comes to the uniqueness thing it's Really important for our listeners, studio owners especially, to know that it is better to be unique than to be like everyone else. Mm. Meaning, if I'm a parent and it's like all three or four of these dance studios seem to do exactly the same thing in this the same vibe and the same curriculum. I'm just like, I don't know, maybe I'll pick by price. Oh, but 100%. If, that's where you go to, right? That's what you do when you're buying yeah. apples. That's what you do when you're buying breakfast cereal. And people would absolutely do that as well. If this all looks the same, then what's the only differentiator? The lowest price. And we don't want that to be you, studio owners that are listening. You definitely don't want to be yeah. the cheapest because if you're delivering a better service and if you are, you know, investing in yourself and professionally developing your team and delivering great curriculum, then it should be pricey to come I'm to with, you, right? I, I'm with you on that. And so, so I challenge the listeners to sit down and say, what makes us different? Yeah. What can I do different? And you know, you said something about your own clients and clients that I've worked with, where they will say, so-and-so is doing this, so we probably need to do that. Here's my answer. Don't you think you should wait to see if that thing works for that person? <laughs> Don't you think you should like... You know, I could react and say, I'm adding social or ballroom dance because the studio up the street does it. The studio up the street gets four people. I get two people. Yeah. And and so we both lost out because I couldn't figure out, like, let's say I saw social dancing or whatever. Maybe I'm going to go, what fits into my vibe? Something like that. Maybe I'll do an adult hip hop class. Mm-hmm. And that's your answer. Yeah. Right? Not what they're doing. Something different. Yes. And I think I've been guilty of that, Reid. People up the road started to do something brand new and I went, oh, we need to do that. Quick, let's go and buy the equipment. Let's find somebody who does a teacher training program. Let's put someone through the course. Let's get it up and running. Let's start marketing it. And one of my teachers had to say, hang on, hang on, hang on. 
you're, you know, this is all fear-based, right? You're like, none of this is real. We don't need to do that. That's not us. And without that wake-up call, I would have gone ahead and spent how many thousands of dollars to run a program that probably would have had two or three kids in it the first year and, you know, might not have grown a whole lot more than that. And now the people down the road I can see are struggling. They used to put post photos on social with 10 kids in that class and now it's just the two that have that have stuck to it. And so that story resonated with me so much, Ree, because I, I sometimes get into that fear mindset of, oh, I need to be doing more, I need to be doing more and end up wasting a whole lot of time, energy and money doing something that isn't aligned with me and my values and our vibe. And maybe the answer isn't more. It's making what you have better. Oh, now we're talking. Yeah, because the time, energy and money that I could have put into that new program, if I just put that into creating a new opportunity for the kids that I already had, maybe encouraging kids who do two classes a week to do three, then I would have made more income, there would have been less stress and the outlay I wouldn't have had to come up with either. So I love that idea of being able to put back into the business rather than trying to always follow the bright, shiny new thing. Yes. So I'm going to put you on the spot. What's your uniqueness? Your business's uniqueness. Oh, um, so we're all about dance for everybody. So we're about inclusivity. We're about diversity. We're about providing opportunities that are not selective. So anyone can do any class within our organization. We have a place for you. So we have classes that cater. And, you know, obviously I'm not going to let the eight-year-old come to the 16-year-old ballet class but what I mean by that is if you want to do ballet and you're eight we have a class for you if you want to do ballet and you're 68 we have a class for you if you want to do ballet and you can't function in a mainstream class because of your learning differences we have a class for you and so for us we don't audition our kids into our performance programs we don't um you know, hand select our students that go off on our international tours. For us, dance is for everybody. Everybody should have a place um, where they can feel comfortable and they can feel like they can be themselves. And so that's what we promote as part of our studio. That's what we encourage, you know, that's that's the message that we put out into our community because we don't ever want people to feel like, and this is sometimes beyond our control, but sometimes the arts feel elite they feel like they're for someone else they feel like they're you you know if you didn't grow up doing dance perhaps ballet feels like it's not for you or for your child but we try to communicate that actually dance is for everybody we all move our bodies on a day-to-day basis and if you feel good moving your body which a lot of us do for regular you know emotional regulation and for physical well-being then we have a we have a spot for you and we have a place for you to come and and discover that so that's our uniqueness and we communicate that as, as often as possible. But sometimes we forget and we start to just do the same thing as everyone else. We start to run the same Facebook ads. We start to do the same promotion and branding. And so speaking to so many of my coaching clients who have been kind of in that, that worry loop of do I need to do new things? What's everybody else doing? I'm really trying to encourage them at the moment to lean into what they do really well and to really communicate that to the wider community. 
you know what you do well as a studio owner. How can you tell other people what that is? How can you communicate that as in your Facebook posts, as part of your newsletter, as um, you know the newspaper article that you put out? All of that stuff needs to speak to what makes you different because that will attract people that are a good fit for you and not attract those people that are going to make you work harder. It's hard, I think, for people to figure that out. Do you agree? Absolutely. It's taken me a long time to be able to articulate it like that. For like for a very long time, I was like, well, we do dance classes and we're, we're happy well, people. You did an awesome <laughs> job. You, you get a gold star. I actually felt like you didn't hem and haw with that answer. You've obviously put thought into it. Mm. But I do believe that some of our listeners, I don't know if it's a confidence thing, may think to themselves, I don't know what makes me different. I, I'm not sure what I want. Yeah, that's a big question. So how do we get them to be able to discover that? I guess in my head, I'm answering I'm asking myself questions and answering them at the same time. Go for it. I guess it would be actually sitting down, getting rid of all of the distractions and looking at what makes you feel really good about your business. Mm. What teachers, what classes... When is the vibe, a vibe where you say to yourself, this is what I dreamed of? And do, it sounds silly, but I'll say it, do more of that. Yeah. And have a think as well as part of that brainstorming process. What makes me feel good about my studio? Exactly what you said. But also what do people tell me they come back for? Ooh. What do people tell me that we do really well? Because sometimes that's a, that's surprising. Sometimes people come back to you with things where you go, oh, really? I didn't know that was part of what we do. And not to say that anyone's vision for their studio is any better than anyone else. My vision of, of inclusivity is very different to the, my competitors in my market. Not to say that theirs is any better or worse than ours. But other people have different visions you know, come to us and, and you'll be a winner. You'll be a, you'll be a champion. Lots of photos with kids with trophies. And that's awesome for them because they attract the people who really want that. I attract the people who want what we have. And so if you can spend that time sitting down and brainstorming what it is that you really put out into the world, what it is your studio is really about, maybe Google some values words, like think about your, what, what your values as a studio are and then makes, you know, kind of put some actions around those as well. Like, is it, is teamwork an important part of your studio? Is integrity an important part of your studio? Because those things kind of help you articulate what it is that you do. And then the most important part of that, once you've done all that work, is to get that out there. Start talking about it in your newsletter. Start talking about it on your socials. Start showing photos that describe what you're talking about. Because it would be one thing, Ree, for me to say we're all about inclusivity and then every photo that we post on social media be of kids that all look the same. 
Like that's yes. gonna, that's going to be it. People are not going to resonate with that. They're going to say she's full of it. <laughs> so you have to make sure that when you have decided what makes you special, then you lean into that and you really show that to the world because that's going to help your customer, your current customers who are with you feel like, yeah, I'm in the right place. I've made a good choice. Everyone loves to feel good about a choice that they've made. I feel great about this yellow top. Um, and then it's going to make people who are coming to you for the first time, who are looking for somewhere special, that they're not looking for the cheapest place. They're looking for the place that feels right to them. And they'll understand your feeling and your vibe because you've been able to to share that. I agree. And, and having a unique product means that you can maybe charge a little bit more, maybe... Mm-hmm. I don't know, offer things that others can't. It's like, once you identify what it is, and here's, this is another part. Once you identify it, even if it's not similar to the five other schools in your town, run with it with confidence. Yes. Yeah. Because if you believe in what it is that is your uniqueness or your vision, wholeheartedly, if you believe in that, everybody else will believe in it. If you go forward timidly, it's it's that's the reaction you're going to get. Where, uh, what is this all about? And- it's more... Go ahead. I was going to say, and in the same way that when we talk about marketing, we talk about marketing to our ideal customer, knowing who that is. If we just try and say we do all the things, if we're not specific about who we are and what we're about, we end up attracting no one. If we say we have dance classes for everyone, but we're also very competitive, but we'll also make your child a star, but we'll also include everybody, but we'll like, if you if it's all mixed messages because you're trying to appeal to everybody because you don't have the confidence to really land on that one thing that is you, people will go, I'm be confused. I'll go, I don't understand what that place is about. I'll go somewhere else. I'll go to the cheapest place. So I think that confidence part is really important. Figure out what it is that makes you, you, and then go all in. And, and for those that are listening and you're thinking about this, Know that if you're awesome at kids that are, let's say, 12 and under, and you've been trying to have this competitive program that keeps up with everybody, you're really missing out on your true success. Mm. I, I knew this woman, her name, she may still have a studio, but it's been about 15 years since I've heard anything about her. Her name is Miss Tilly. She was in California. She was a prima ballerina with ballet companies that, you know, big name. She went back after she retired to her little community and she only taught kids up to age 10. Because mm-hmm. she was really good at that. That was like, I, I did an interview and I said, so how come you didn't want to work with the most advanced dancers? She said, they stress me out. There's all this emotional stuff. Mm-hmm. I loved the kids that were 10 and under. And she had all these friends in town who owned dance schools because she sent her kids off. Once they were 10, she had nothing more for them. 
and yep. she was working six days a week. Yep. So for her, here's a point too. You can add this to the confidence thing. Ego. That, yeah, I come from this famous background. Shouldn't I be making famous dancers? Who said that's true? Yeah. Who said that I have to have a dance studio that teaches 18 months through to 88 years? I love that idea of niching. If she just loves the under 10s, I'm sure her classes were full. I'm sure she had, you know, several 10-year-old ballet classes and several 8-year-old ballet classes and, and loved that. It's, it's being able to discover it and say, I'm happy with myself. Mm. I'm good at this. This is what I'm going to go for. And it'll be more of a life that feels fulfilling rather than trying to be what everybody else is. And you're not good at this part or you're not good at that part. So you're never feeling confident about your product or your service. Mm. Reverse that. Total confidence. I know what I'm doing. I've been at this. I've chosen this as my specialty. And nobody's going to question me because I know I'm good at this. And I'm, I spend time figuring it out. I love it. I love it. So if you're a dance studio owner and you don't know what your uniqueness is, if you haven't spent time working on your values and figuring out what makes you special, put some time aside this summer to really sit down, turn off all distractions, go into the zone, perhaps take yourself to a coffee shop or somewhere nice or take yourself out for lunch and take a notepad with you and hone into that so that the marketing that you prepare for over summer heading into your new season is all going to speak to you and the the greatness of you and your studio so you can attract the right people that will make you happy and and fill your classrooms full of happy kids with happy parents because that's what re and i want for all of you oh yeah no question and and i don't want to leave out because we talked a lot about studio owners can i make this point if I'm a teacher within my classroom, what makes me unique? Mm. What am I going to be as a choreographer that's going to make me different from all the other choreography? Not what I see on YouTube and I'm going to recreate it. <laughs> what is inside of me that's going to make my kids look different from everyone else. Mm -hmm. I want to make the point that this doesn't just go for ownership. It goes for ourselves as teachers who are working our whole lives to become masters at what we do. Master what you do well. Make a mark that is uniquely yours. And I always look at choreography and I say, that is the chance for the teacher to be different. That mm -hmm. is the chance for the artistry and in your inner, what feels right to you coming out. And if we, I think we all have greatness inside of us. I'm just not sure that we pull it from inside of us. Cause again, it's the confidence thing. Mm -hmm. Be you. 
And that goes for the teachers as well as the studio owners that we talked about in this podcast. I have great teachers at my studio, Ray, and they're very up to date and they're very hip and fresh and fabulous and they do a great job. And I still teach in my studio and I'm, you know, I'm made fun of a little bit because I'm a bit old school and I, I lean into my uniqueness. I do quirky things with the kids and that's my thing. And, you know, we have a giggle about it and we have a laugh about it. And, and, you know, I have sometimes doubted myself. I sometimes haven't had that confidence and I've thought maybe I should be doing things that are more like what they're doing. Maybe I should be tweaking you know, my style and how I do things to suit them. We had a funny moment a couple of weeks ago because we were at a competition and um, of course the routines that my other teachers have done for the for the kids are the the big the big numbers and they're really looking forward to to those. And they're doing Miss Stacy's number two because it's a bit of fun and so we'll throw that in. Miss Stacy's number one best choreography of the event. <laughs> and I I had this like I looked at the other teachers like, mm-hmm, still got it. <laughs> because I'd lost a bit of that confidence and so that little moment kind of brought it back to me and reminded me that what I do does have a place and it is uniquely me and it's no use me trying to to doubt myself or to think I should be doing something else when um, it's still good. It's still, it's still yes, good. It still works. You bring up a point that's so important, I think, especially I'll say the 40 and over teacher, studio owner, don't doubt your knowledge. Don't look at the younger people and say, oh, maybe maybe they're better at this than me. Our kids need it all. Be confident. You know things that that younger, cooler teacher have no idea about, and it's going to take them years to learn that. Mm. I, I see a lot of people who say, oh, I'm going to step back and let the younger people do it. No, you still put your two cents into it because what just Stacy just described will happen to you because what happens, I think we're going off topic again, but I say that every every podcast is, and people who are listening will know this, a, a competition is a good example. You can almost look at a number on the stage after the first day and know what school it came from. Mm-hmm. 100%. Let's not do that. I want to be the teacher. If I teach at Stacy's school, where the people look down in the program and go, who's is this? Yeah. I That's the choreographer I want to be. Me. Yeah, me too. Me too. And you can come and teach in my studio anytime you want, Ray. You know where we awesome. are. Any, any day of the week. <laughs> I can't wait. It's uh, a short commute, so it should be okay. It should be okay. <laughs> With that, with that in mind, thank you all for listening. Tell everybody about the podcast and enjoy the journey. Thank you for joining us for Regold's Dance Life Podcast. Learn more about joining the International Dance Entrepreneurs Association, the Dance Life Teacher Conference, and the Dance Life Retreat Center at regold.com. Or follow Regold's Dance Life on Facebook. Enjoy the journey. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production. 